Paul now explains how all things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. It is through these five golden links, that's not in the scripture, but somebody has titled these two verses, Romans 8, 29, and 30, as the five golden links. And the five links, God foreknew us, God predestined us, God called us, God justified us, and God glorified us. You're looking too far for that need you have inside. You're on a big merry-go-round and it's taking you for a ride. You've got to let go and let go. Welcome to The Cleansing Word. We invite you to stay with us as Pastor John Pinnell of Calvary Chapel Lake Villa takes us through a verse-by-verse study from God's Word. Each Monday through Friday, we'll be airing messages to encourage you in your faith that you might grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I hope that you enjoy this broadcast, and I'll return at the close of this teaching to give you more information about our church and how you can obtain a copy of this message. Now here's Pastor John with today's message from God's Word. Let's get into Romans chapter 8 verses 28 through 39 today. Since God is for us. I'm not going to go into a lot of detail on why I chose to title it since God is for us, but there's something about the biblical Greek where there's that preposition that's often translated as if God is for us. In the biblical Greek, it's a preposition that can have this sense of surety. In the English language, if we say if, we have a sense of we're not sure. If God is for us, then nothing could be against us. So we have a sense, well, I don't know, is God for us? Maybe he is, maybe he isn't. But to say since God is for us gives us that sense of surety. And that is what Romans chapter 8 is all about, the work of God in the believer's life. As we have been looking at uh, coming through verses 1 through 27, we had seen the significant impact of the Holy Spirit on a believer's life where in the first 27 verses of Romans chapter 8, Paul had mentioned the Holy Spirit 20 times to give us a, a sense of surety that we have in the work of the Lord in our lives as believers, that the Holy Spirit is for us and the Holy Spirit the person and the ministry of the Holy Spirit in the lives of those who trust in Jesus. And I reminded us that the Holy Spirit not only indwells us, but empowers us to gain victory over the struggles that we have in our flesh. Last week, we looked at verses 18 through 27, where we learned that in life, there is really a whole lot of groaning going on. And we looked at three different types of groaning that Paul talked about in Scripture. He said, for creation groans as it awaits its deliverance from the bondage of sin. Secondly, believers groan as we await our ultimate 
deliverance from sin. That means when ultimate, when we get to heaven. And the spirit groans with words inexpressible as he's making intercession for us. Today, since God is for us, this is a rich portion of scripture. It's one of the reasons that I've taken three teachings to get through this chapter because verses 28 through 39 are so rich. A lot of theology is found here as well. And I gave you a bit of notes that you could take home. And I wanted to give you a little bit of understanding of this section of scripture as well. But I broke it into three sections. We're going to look at all things. Our first point, verses 28 through 30. If God is for us, verses 31 through 38. And more than conquerors, verses 37 through 39. I'm going to go ahead and read our first point, verses 28 through 30, and open us in prayer. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God and to those who are called according to his purpose, for whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed into the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren, moreover, whom he predestined, these he also called, whom he called, these he also justified. And whom he justified, these he also glorified. Father, I pray that you would just be with us as we look at this portion of Scripture. It is a rich passage that the Holy Spirit gave to the Apostle Paul, who faithfully penned these words in a letter to the church in Rome at that time. And Lord, we have them today because you have seen to preserve these words for us, for your church here in the 21st century. So, Lord, you have uh, caused these words to be written, inspired by the Holy Spirit, preserved. And, Lord, I pray that you would just teach us now from your Holy Scripture. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. All things, those who love and those who are called, verse 28, probably one of the most famous verses in scripture, the church itself, uh, we often refer back to this. This is one of those passages of scripture that we either know the jest of it or we know it by heart. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. And we use this quite often when a brother and sister might be going through some trying times in their lives. And we understand that the Holy Spirit inspired Paul to write this, but I think we often neglect to look back at the context that prompted, prompted these words in verse 28. If we look back just prior to this, Paul had just finished writing about the groanings of all creation as we await our deliverance from the bondage of sin. And these groanings combined with the Lord's work in our lives actually benefit those who are called according to the purpose of God. And so Paul had just finished explaining that all creation groans. We looked at this in our message last week. And then he goes on to say, and we know that all things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose to those who love God. 
Jesus was asked in Matthew 22, verses 36 through 40. A scribe came to him and he said, Teacher, what is the great commandment in the law? And Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and the great commandment, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. To those who love God and to those who love God, we find that as we love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and we love our neighbor as ourselves, we'll have little problem walking in the commandments of God. And that commandment of God, Jesus said in John 6, 28 and 29, and the question again, what shall we do that we shall do the works of God? And Jesus answered them, this is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. We have, even in the day and age that scripture was written for us to the 21st century, there is this mentality of working our way to heaven. We have to work our way. We have to get enough uh, uh, good points in with Father God in order to make it to heaven. And in the Bible, and even to this day, there is that work our way to heaven mentality that really hasn't changed a whole lot. But we understand that there's nothing really that we can do in and of ourselves to earn our place into heaven. Oftentimes, when you ask people if when they die, they believe that they will go to heaven if they say yes, the number one answer to why they will respond, it's because I'm good. But here's the problem. When we measure what we consider is good, we base that on our personal or worldly views. But when God measures that, he is comparing our sinfulness to his sinlessness, our wickedness to his righteousness, our injustices to his justice. Ecclesiastes 7.20 says, For there is not a just man on earth who does good and does not sin. And for those who want to earn their way to heaven, Jesus has declared the one work that we must all do, saying, And this is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he sent. And this work, or belief, it finds its basis in love. We love the Lord God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, our neighbor as ourselves. We find that we will discover the work of God, that belief in Jesus Christ. All things work together for good to those who love God, but also those who are called according to his purpose. This Greek word for call, it can mean an invitation, but it can also speak about have, uh, being summoned or being commissioned for a purpose with God. So there is this sense of an invitation, a call, but also this summoning, this invitation, the call whom Paul addresses here. They are those in Romans 1, 6, they're called to be the Lord Jesus Christ, to belong to Jesus. In Romans 1, 7, we find that we're called to be saints. And in Romans 8.28, that we're called according to his purpose. This deals with God's elective purpose in our lives, not just for this life upon this earth, but for all eternity. 
Paul said in 2 Thessalonians 2, 13 and 14, But we are bound to give thanks to God always for you, brethren, beloved by the Lord, because God from the beginning chose you for salvation through sanctification by the Spirit and belief in the truth to which he called you by our gospel for the attaining of the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. He called you by our gospel through the preaching. The proclamation of the gospel is a method that God still uses to this day to call people to himself. Yes, there is an invitation at the end of a, it used to be more so than we find today, but at the end of a church service, we still do it today here at Calvary Chapel. There is the call, the invitation to come to receive Jesus. But remember, this Greek word can speak more than just an invitation. It speaks about a summons. Uh, it would be like whether, uh, depending on what side of the political party you might be on, but it could be like the President of the United States uh, giving a call, a summons for you to appear in Washington. And we'd think, us, little old me here in Lake Villa, really that would be a big deal, a summons. Well, the creator of all the heavens, all that is in it, and upon the earth and under the earth, as scripture says, he summons us, he has called us, he has commissioned us. And those who love God and been called and commissioned to fulfill God's eternal purposes, will all things work together for good. But also we find in verses 29 through 30, I put this as a tease in, your, in the bulletin and the pastor's pen, because these have been known as uh, five golden links. The, somebody named it this, the theologians, I'm not sure. All I know is that in my Bible here, I have it noted and I have the five things highlighted in my Bible as the five golden links where he says, for whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed into the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he predestined, he also called. Whom he called, he also justified. Whom he justified, he also glorified. Paul now explains how all things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. It is through these five golden links, that's not in the scripture, but somebody has titled these two verses, Romans 8, 29 and 30, as the five golden links. And the five links, God foreknew us, God predestined us, God called us, God justified us, and God glorified us. He foreknew us. It's a Greek word that refers to knowing beforehand. God's foreknowledge, it refers to his, this attribute of God knowing all things. It means that he has knowledge of everything in his creation, past, present, and future. And because of this, God, he foreknew us. He also predestined us and the sovereign determination, the foreknowledge of God, as some theologians described it, this divine predestination speaks about uh, the Lord knowing those whom will be saved upon this earth, but also the predestination, some theologians connecting this to the very death of Jesus Christ upon the cross. 
I believe that when Adam and Eve ate of the fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, that they were commanded by the Lord not to eat, and the Lord saying of all the trees and the fruit, and we'll look at this in VBS tomorrow, it begins with this, of all the trees that's in the garden you may eat of, but of the one tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. The day you eat of that fruit, you shall surely die. I do not believe that when Adam and Eve took of that fruit that God thought, oh my, they really messed things up. They may have really messed things up. we got to figure out a different way. And there are some, the Jehovah's Witness uh, will teach that Satan and Jesus are actually brothers, uh, that Satan is not a created being, but the brother of Jesus Christ. And God asked his two sons to come up with the best plan of redemption now that Adam and Eve had ruined it all, and that Jesus came up with a better plan. And so that's why Jesus is the Son of God and Satan is, you know, the evil one. It's just not from Scripture, but all along God knew that Jesus would come to redeem mankind, fallen mankind, back to the Father. So God foreknew us. He predestined us. He has called us. And again, it's a call. It's an invitation. And the gospel of Jesus available to all, as Scripture says, three times in the Old Testament, in Joel 2.32, in Acts, in the New Testament, Acts 2.21, in Romans 10.13, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Yet Jesus said in Matthew 2016, many are called, but few are chosen. And sadly, not everyone who is called actually receives the gift of salvation. The invitation is available to everyone. But it's only those who respond to the invitation that they discover that God foreknew them, predestined them, called them, and then also justified them. It's a Greek word that refers to render as just or to deem right. It's actually a, a legal term that's related to the acquittal or the justification of someone, that we have been declared justified in the sight of God. It is justification by grace through faith, that we have been pardoned from the punishment and the condemnation of sin, of the fall, that the Lord has paid the price through the death of his son, his burial, his resurrection, that we might walk in the grace of God. In Romans 5, 1, it tells us, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. He not only foreknew us, predestined us, called us, justified us, he has glorified us. There is part of the word doxa in this Greek word. It means to render glorious, to adorn, to clothe, to clothe with splendor. He has glorified us. And this last stage of the process is the ultimate glorification that we will experience once we get into heaven. In the glorification of believers, it's this being able to obtain the complete conformity into the image and the likeness of Jesus Christ. But here's what I want us to see, because 
Where we're at in this life, it feels like we're a work in progress, and we are. But how God looks at us, how God sees us, Paul wrote every one of these five golden links in the past tense, whom he foreknew, he predestined, he called, he justified, and he glorified. God sees us as a finished work. We see ourselves as a work in progress. But, you know, I have learned that it's not so much how I view myself, but more importantly, how God views me. Not as a work in progress, but as a finished work. And that the Lord will get his work done in my life. God's great love, therefore, then causes all things to work together for good in our lives. But also... Verses 31 through 38, if God is for us. And I'll read the context for us. In verse 31, it says, What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died. Furthermore, is also risen. Who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are killed all day long. For we are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. If God is for us. Remember I titled our message since God is for us. And I believe through Romans chapter 8. Paul is just giving us argument after argument of why God is for us. It's not a if I wonder if God is for us or not. It is a sense since God is for us. Since God is for us. God's finished work of salvation caused Paul to uh, respond by asking six, we could say maybe seven questions. There are definitely six questions here. You find seven, but one is in response to another question. But he responds by these six questions that I listed out for us here in our notes. The first question, what then shall we say to these things? In verse 31, how should we respond to God's finished work of salvation in our life, seeing that God foreknew us, that he has predestined us, that he has called us, that he has justified us, that he has glorified us, all who has come to Jesus Christ in life-saving faith. Perhaps our response simply is, praise the Lord, or hallelujah, or amen, however you might want to respond. I know we're kind of a quiet church when it comes to those things. In fact, a good hearty amen from our congregation might put somebody into shock. We might have to get some medical attention around here to make sure that they're okay. But it reminded me of Hebrews 13, 6, and the author of Hebrews saying that the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what can man do to me. What then shall we say to these things? Well, praise the Lord that God is for us. 
since God is for us. Romans chapter 8, a beautiful, beautiful portion of scripture that Paul just reinforces the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives by mentioning the Holy Spirit 20 times in chapter 8 alone. And the work of the Holy Spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit in behalf of those who trust in Jesus Christ, but also uh, the work of Jesus in our lives. He is the one that makes us more than conquerors since God is for us. It's not an if question. Paul has, by argument, supported the fact that God is for us to those who love God and are called according to his purposes. Therefore, we can say all things work together for good. All things work together for good. Father, thank you for your word and for what it teaches us. And help us, Lord, just to have this confidence. Sometimes, Lord, I confess that we don't understand the reason why things might come against us. And Lord, though we may know Romans 8.28, we don't stand upon the truth of Romans 8.28. And so, Lord, help us to trust in your work, in our lives, we pray. In the name of Jesus, amen. Calvary Chapel is a fellowship of believers in the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Our greatest desire is to know Christ and to be conformed into His image by the power of His Holy Spirit. If you would like more information about Calvary Chapel, or if you would like a copy of today's message, please contact us at 847-265-0646. That's 847-265-0646. Thank you so much for joining us today, and may the Lord richly bless you as you worship Him today. We'll be right back.